Today I sat down with Destiny Wishon, the queen of PPC and the co-founder and CEO over at Better AMS, an Amazon PPC advertising agency. Destiny has fast become one of my favorite people in the industry, and it's not just because she is super charismatic and has tons to share, but she's real, she's honest, and she has a lot of great insights, and also we love all the same books, so that makes conversation easy, but we have a great conversation about a whole bunch of things, and you guys have heard this intro enough times by now to know that if you don't like it, you can switch it up, but uh, I guarantee Destiny adds the value and uh, was awesome having her on. Welcome to Successful Scales, the show where I talk to world-class professionals on what it takes to scale successful businesses. I dive deep asking questions to people who are running unicorn businesses, to raising funds, to buying businesses, mergers and acquisitions, IP and patent law, what is to manage performance management. I mean, the list goes on. The idea really is how do I create knowledge and learning for you guys listening in and of course myself getting the floor with people who I, in many cases, would never dream to share a room with. Before we jump into the episode, I've got to give a special thank you to our sponsors. Firstly, over at Global Wide Advisors, a leading digital consumer products investment bank focused on optimizing the sales process. An incredible team, always happy to pick up the phone and educate you or anyone about the sales process and what you should really consider and can obviously help take you to market or even acquire businesses. I ring them for just about everything these days. Us over at Multiply Me, we are the end-to-end executive search and HR function into the Philippines, helping find better talent and onboarding them effectively. And last but not least, Escala, our management consultancy focused on process improvement, where we help build better systems for your business. That's all the ads you're going to get from me, ladies and gentlemen. The rest is all about learning. I hope you really enjoy and get as much out of these sessions as I do sitting face-to-face with some of the world-renowned leaders in their respective fields, asking them the tough questions that they're not often asked. Destiny, welcome to an episode of Successful Scales. Super excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, well, uh, we really hit it off uh, at that meetup in Laguna, and then we ended up speaking, uh, spending the week really together. I feel like we were at every single event at Prosper together. And um, yeah, just, you know, at least from my perspective, but I'll speak for you as well. We really just hit it off. And uh, the rest, as I say, is history. So thanks for, for taking the time to sit down with me. Of course, lots of great energy right here. That was the best part, the vibes. Absolutely. And we like, we've, I feel like you and I have talked about it to almost exhaustion, but like to not be sitting behind like a screen like we are right now, but not be sitting behind a screen and actually being able to interact with real humans, people that you get to deal with on the day in, day out from a professional standpoint and beyond. I mean, it was just awesome to be all in the same room and, and around uh, that energy. Yeah, the relationship building. I mean, if I walked away from anything in Prosper, it would truly be around building relationships with some incredible people. You know, forget the brands, forget that knowledge, e-commerce, education. There were so many just awesome people standing in one room. And then one room turned into 12 different events that we all got to talk to people with. But it, I, it was awesome. Yeah, and spot on. And I feel like we'll definitely touch on that as we as we dig in here. So before we dig in, um, 
I am not going to be the one to butcher your experience here. You know, I'm obviously acutely aware of what Better AMS does, but I'd love you to tell the listeners out there who are tuning in a little bit about yourself and also just your history and how you've gotten to where you sit. You know, it's about scale and everyone has, you know, an origin story and we aren't where we were today. So I'd love to love in your words to hear a little bit. about. Yeah, of course. So my name is Destiny Wachon, and I am co-founder and CEO of Better AMS. Better AMS is an Amazon advertising agency. We have been in this space for four and a half years now, I think it's been. Um, time flies when you're having fun. But where we are now is definitely not where we started. <laughs> As with everyone, you know, a lot goes by. But Taylor and I, you know, met about four years ago, and we were running Amazon advertising campaigns for two very different styles of avatars. I was working with vendors and large retailers. He was working with very scrappy private label sellers. And we met, realized we had a ton of synergy, decided we could see what we could do with better AMS. And, you know, fast forward, we're where we're at now. We have um, 20 team members. We manage around 4 to $5 million worth of spend a month. And we're just having a ton of fun in the e-commerce space. Wow, that is impressive growth and, you know, a pretty, a pretty cool story. I mean, I want to I ask you from, from a starting point. Um, and I think for me as someone who has a co-founder too, and, you know, our story, I'll tell you in a second what, how we met, if I haven't already, but, um, you know, how did you guys actually meet, uh, you know, you, I guess you were both playing in the same space, but yeah, how did that come, come about? So I'm based in Bentonville, Arkansas, and Taylor's based out of Panama. And I happened to get a Global Sources presentation deck uh, literally sent to my email. And I was like, hey, this video is on PPC. I checked it out and I saw this 19-year-old, very young kid speaking on stage in Hong Kong about PPC. And it really intrigued me seeing someone my age speaking my language, especially in the early days. Like there wasn't a ton of people actually on the internet putting out a lot of content. So I Google searched his name, totally cyber stalked him, went to his um, website and I found out more about him and I ended up working with him as an account executive. And it was the scariest, like riskiest thing I've ever done in my life to quit my consistent full-time job and basically be like, I'm going to try to work with this kid who is 20 years old out of panel. He can't even drink alcohol yet. And I went for it. And thankfully I did because it was the best decision I've made in my life to date. I mean, don't tell him I said that, but it's going really well. <laughs> well, I'll be upset if Taylor doesn't listen to the podcast. So he's going to hear it. That's true. <laughs> no. But, uh, <laughs> but no, so super interesting. Look, most people are, you know, they're looking for, when you talk about building businesses, you're looking for purpose. You know, there's a lot of cliche sayings around it, but like, love what you do, never work a day in your life and, and all of that good stuff. Now you've taken a gamble here and you've gone to work for someone as an account executive, and then you've actually formed a, a partnership in the business. I mean, what were those conversations like? I know a lot of people are probably looking for, like for me as well, and just to sort of cut to the chase here, like I was a solopreneur. I built an agency by myself. It was doing great. I was doing, you know, $20,000 a month in revenue in my second or third month. And, and I hated it. I just couldn't go the journey solo. I, I love to have sort of someone to bounce ideas off and to work hand in hand with. But yeah, how did like, 
if if you were in a position, you took this risk, like what was what was the logic behind it? At the time, and this is what made it work, it was a side hustle. If you were to take the partnership Taylor and I have now, how close we have to work together, the stressors that we have to maintain and throw that on us four and a half years ago, we would have never worked out. I think that there is a lot of relationship building that should be done before taking that leap for like a partnership. Um, And there's a lot of learning, which was the biggest hurdle we had to overcome is, you know, I am very much so a visionary. I like big ideas. I like the exact same, having that relationship, having someone to bounce all of your ideas off of things like that. So I'm 85% visionary. And then Taylor's like 87% integrator, which means he's very systems oriented, loves processes, efficiencies, things like that. And we speak two very different languages. I like to make quick decisions, throw things on the table, talk about it, let's go. Taylor likes to discuss and analyze everything. In the very beginning of our relationship, we didn't touch on that as much because we were in a similar boat. We were just hustling. You know, we didn't have time to have long discussions about the small second order consequences of culture and things like that. Um, so that was, I think, the biggest differentiator for us is that we were slowly able to evolve to where we are now. So for those listening, uh, what Destiny's talking about is something that comes up a ton, and that's EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, being a visionary integrator and having implementers, you know, delivering a lot of the work. And so when you bring them together, this uh, effectively, it feels like magic when you find a really good, you know, as a visionary, when you find a great integrator or vice versa too, you're, you're an integrator, you find a great visionary. I mean, there's a whole community called the COO Alliance. It's about the second in command and they typically are like the best integrators in the world. So um, highly recommend anyone who hasn't heard me talk about it. I actually had, um, I actually had Mike Payton, who is the visionary that um, that came in after Gino Wickman. So he was he was, I mean, not his replacement, well, effectively his replacement um, after Gino sort of moved on. And yeah, I think it's hugely valuable for anyone listening. But back to you, because <laughs> this is why we're here right now. Uh, I mean, we're here to talk about scale. But um, do you guys do you guys at the start of the relationship? You said Taylor's out of Panama. You are in the US. Are you guys working in the same space or are you still remote? Is he still in Panama? Still remote. And we've stayed fully remote, which is a blessing and a curse. And there's a lot that can be discussed there. I feel like just growing your team fully virtual. But yeah, we were, you know, hopping on Zoom if we had any questions, but we weren't in the same office. So we weren't able to really throw those ideas off each other, have those really deep discussions, things like that. It was more like this needs to be done. Let's do it do whatever it takes to get to the next level. Yeah, insane. It's just crazy. I'm just like processing. You were an, exe- you were an account executive working for Taylor and now you're the CEO of, of the joint company. Um, what was that? What was that? Yeah, as in like, what was that conversation like? So uh, it didn't happen for a while. What kind of how it played out is Taylor had a few other ventures he was really looking at. And he was like, hey, I'm going to spend some time focusing on this. If you want to learn more about sales and marketing and grow better AMS even further, feel free to do it. I was like, okay. So I bought a bunch of books and took some courses. And I started posting a lot of content. And I kind of approached marketing a little bit different in this space. I kind of tried to hit the retail side. I tried to 
be more professional with our branding. And I didn't know what I was doing. So I just tried to be a very kind, honest, helpful person. And that resonated really well. And it kind of went crazy. And we finally got to a point where I was like, Taylor, I think we need to hire someone. I cannot manage the account load. So we got together, we hired an employee. We still have never met in person at this point whatsoever. Hired someone through my network, brought him on board. He was the perfect fit for our personalities. And then um, things just never slowed down. And then my role continued to progress as like more of the people person, more the managing people, visionary. And we're sitting in Mexico a year and a half ago and we're working on our org chart. And we're laying everything out and Taylor's still by, you know, all tens of purposes, the CEO of the company. He looks at me, he goes, I don't think this makes sense from an EOS perspective. I think from an EOS perspective, you need to be the CEO. And I was like, what? Like, that's not something that had ever been in, even in my mind whatsoever. He goes and updates LinkedIn before telling her team. <laughs> that's, that's and I was awesome. like, oh, okay, Taylor, we have like multiple employees at this point. He updates LinkedIn and that was it. No other words. Taylor was like, just symbols. It doesn't mean anything. And I was like, it does though. It, it's scary. But <laughs> it had to happen that way because it forced me into kind of progressing. Definitely. And, and I think, um, I think that's the one thing as well, giving the the title of the responsibility, because I'm also one, I don't really care too much for titles, but giving the the CEO title and that responsibility to someone who's not actually looking for it, I think is usually the best, um, it's the best case scenario. I, my dream, I want to be, I've said this like time and time again, I joke about it, I would say probably once a month to the consulting team, like, my dream job is to be a consultant in our process improvement consultancy. So I like slip them my, the last resume that I ever made. I'm like, just look at this candidate. He's great. I'm telling you, he'll fit right in. And, you know, I, I could care less about uh, titles and, and all those things. But I think that that's, um, that's also a beautiful thing too. And the fact that, you know, after going through that EOS process and realizing the skill sets and the strengths and the weaknesses and the fact that, you are a visionary. You're going to have a ton of ideas and, you know, of the hundred ideas you have, maybe one of them will be good, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always say that. Maybe your job's easy. Yeah, yeah. You just sit back and think about things. That's all you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not all you do. I've got to say, I, I've got to say, I have been uh, keeping a close eye on your content and, you know, just looking at, you know, looking at the level of insights and how you, I was just watching a video. I think you might've even posted it today or yesterday about looking at brand category. You're looking at, um, I want to say Crayola. Yes. Yeah? Yes. Yes. So I was watching that and I was like, wow, what an interesting way to actually assess the space and look at like what the share of, uh, effectively brand equity was like in it and understanding how you can actually push forward. I mean, those are not low level conversion rate tactical insights those are you know from my perspective and someone also who historically bought a lot of media um also in the facebook space i have a a deep appreciation for what that actually uh signals so i guess all that thinking time for you translates into high level content and like you said you know it's about giving how do you actually help people first and from that you know let's see where where it turns out and 
you know, I've heard great things about Better AMS and all that you guys are doing in the space. And so it's no surprise that you're winning so much business and you've grown from the two of you to a team of 20 in, in not a whole lot of time. It's been crazy. It's not slow down. And also, thank you for all of that. That was really kind. <laughs> also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coin you the queen of PPC. There it is. <laughs> it's only okay if it's not self-proclaimed. So a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So there you go. I, uh, I dub thee, you know, <laughs> I dub thee. I'm going to make this, we need some micro content of this and be like, someone said it was true. So <laughs> yeah, you can, you know what, if, if you want to create that content, you can quote me on it. I'd be happy to put my name <laughs> against it with pleasure. That's all I needed. Done. <laughs> Done. That's it. My job here is done. All right, we can uh, end the episode. That's what we're just trying to get that little audio bite out of it. But, but in all seriousness, you've grown a team to 20, all entirely remote. And I also know acutely what that's like to build an entirely remote uh, business. I'm, I'm curious to hear, like, I think for a lot of people, um, and especially like, let's talk about multiply me's buying audience. You know, for a lot of people, it's a scary consideration to like hire offshore talent for the first time and like what does that look like and you know but how can I work with them remotely and you know I'm curious from your perspective like you've clearly made it work and work well like what are some of the things when you think about um, bringing people into the business or your interview process or anything that relates to running a remote team like what are some of the things that have have worked for you and if are there things that really haven't a hundred percent you know, one of the things that helped us get started was we didn't have like the biases that traditional, you know, retailers typically have. Anyone who's worked in an office, you have a bias of why you want someone in your office. You know, you do have better communication. You can brush shoulders quicker, much more flexible, things like that. But we went into the industry without having that. We actually had no management experience. So I think that's allowed us to kind of you know, study what's worked for others, but also mold things in our own way and test a little bit quicker. And one of the biggest things I think that we came to the realization of was just hire amazing people. Do not cut corners. If you cut corners, you'll pay for that, especially with a fully virtual team where you may not catch all of the red flags or the yellow flags. Something big typically has to happen and you have to be able to move quickly if that does happen. But that's the biggest thing that we've came to the realization of is you either need to have absolute expert level training in order to get someone to that next level and or expert level hiring. And regardless, they need to have like the fundamental work ethic. They need to have very high culture alignment because you are virtual. So you don't have as many touch points. And if those touch points are negative, then that's going to be a terrible experience for everyone. So I would say those are probably the two biggest realizations we had. Could not agree with you anymore if I tried. You touched on from from and shocking, right? Um, you touched on like the two the two key areas, right? It's you want to bring in the best talent always, and you should make no compromise on that. You know, I was reading an incredible book um, called "Who: The A Method of Hiring," and I can't recommend that enough to to you and to anyone listening as well. Um, fundamentally, changed the way in which I think about the hiring process and how to bring in and effectively bring in the best people. But one of the things that I read inside of that book was that the true cost of a bad hire is 15 times or more of what their base salary is. So 
if you hire, you know, a hundred thousand dollar employee, that's a one point five million dollar error on your part. You know that that's just astronomical, right? Isn't that a scary? scary. But but you talk you talked about the other part as well, right? Is having expert level processes on how to educate, induct, onboard, and train the right people. And so if you can, I mean, you know, in the perfect world, what you want to do is you want to hire the best people and then build the processes to continue to upskill them. And that's, you know, that's the holy grail. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I honestly, I couldn't have said it better myself when you talk about, you know, the key things that you should look at to, to really make the remote team work. But you actually said something else that blew my mind. And I, you know, I actually can't believe that this is the rea- reality that we live in. Like, you know, I have always worked in office spaces with Mm -hmm. my team around me. And we're now moving into a generation where effectively, I mean, yes, with COVID and what's happened, it's really forced it. But I'd say even before that as well, like, you know, I was working with all remote teams now for four or five years. And so we're moving to a generation where you may never have people working in the same space ever. Like, I don't know if it's a fun fact, honestly, a little sad for me, but like, I've never been to the Philippines. We've got 150 people on payroll over there. I mean, that like is a pretty crazy um, realization. We, we only didn't get there because of COVID. We'd booked uh, flights. We were flying the, the whole team to Cebu. And, you know, we had this whole incredible villa booked. It was supposed to be amazing. And it was March 15. 2020 yeah so that was exactly the day that they locked down manila uh and so we didn't get on the flight it was uh and then they they locked down tel aviv like shortly after that as well but crazy just a crazy realization like we're living in a world right now where all things are you know from a conceptual standpoint all the way through build and now you know i'm sure like me you're hearing a whole lot about exit um pretty frequently you know it's building buying selling creating businesses without ever sitting in the same room as the same people or ever meeting them in person which is just like such a crazy reality that we that we live in and something that will continue continue to be true um so You've gone through this process, right? You've met your co-founder, you've become the CEO and, and, and you guys are still not living in the same place, which again, like it's funny. Lippy and I just recently got a co-working space together, but I still find myself working from home more than sitting in the office with him. <laughs> and the funniest thing was that we actually opted not to have an office, even though we live about like 600 yards from one another um for like a year and a half and it was because we were more effective um you know i was on calls all day lippy was building with the team he has to listen to me drone on about whatever i'm talking about or i don't know if you're like this too but like i get excited about a new idea and i have to talk to someone about it <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. it'll be like nine o'clock and taylor's like are we just what what's the purpose of this call and i'm like taylor we don't need to set a purpose for every single call. This is just friendship. So now he'll joke. He'll be like, is this a friendship call or do you have a purpose here? And friendship for me is joining on all the ideas I have. So <laughs> 100%. And, you know, you guys are wired so differently as a fundamental when you talk about visionary integrator that, you know, you want this free-flowing, you know, creative process and, like, he needs to have it very structured. Like he yes. says, every... 
agenda what's the action item like let's you know let's get an outcome here and for you like I'm putting words into your mouth, but I just feel like you and I are one and the same in that regard. Like even just sitting and talking through things is starting to kind of move the needle and create sort of the next the next thought process and the next iteration. And that's going to grow into whatever else that becomes. Um, I know that, you know, I know that you, you started sort of on the PPC uh, wagon and you've built better AMS. Just going all the way back, how did you end up in PPC? So being based out of Bentonville, I am very close to all of the vendors that sell to Walmart. So ton of vendor offices here, things like that. Immediately after graduating college, I got an internship um, at a the first kind of full Amazon consultancy in the area. And I got started as a digital media hire. Now, what was different about that is since there were all these vendors in our backyard, those are the brands I was working with. So I was, you know, 21 years old, managing $10 million of budget a quarter. And it was very overwhelming. And it was very much a trial by fire scenario. E-commerce was just now really starting to kind of get hot in the space back then. So the company I was working for was scaling very, very quickly. I was getting to learn a lot very quickly. And then I haven't stopped since. So hopefully nothing happens to Amazon because I have five years of nothing but PPC knowledge to keep me rolling. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as someone who comes from other forms of advertising, you know, I, I spent probably $20 million plus in my career uh, on Facebook media and a bunch on, on Google AdWords. I mean, especially with what I've seen from a content perspective, like the stuff that you're putting out you probably wouldn't find it too hard to transition into other areas of media buying and, and all the aspects around it. Is that, is that a consideration? Like when you're thinking about the growth of better AMS and sort of how far do you push it? Like, do you think about, um, do you think about like, what's the, what's the, maybe not what the end goal is. I don't know that that's necessarily like, I, I I'm a big believer in like that whole infinite, game mentality yes. and that there isn't you know there isn't never necessarily ends. exactly that it never game. ends but exactly right so i mean like how far ahead do you guys plan into the future or like what's your sort of what probably a better question for taylor you and i are going to sit here and talk about like 50 years Every into the day. future yeah exactly <laughs> but but when you guys are talking about it like what what is what is like future state look like how far into the future so I think there's really two, two factors to consider here. We like to do a lot of like first principle thinking and like what needs to happen to get us to this next level. And one of the realizations was that when you are a people-based business, it's very hard to scale because you have to be able to scale people incredibly well. Well, right now we're still in a bottleneck of trying to be able to hire quick enough. And that's kind of led us to, in our industry, I think the people that are going to win in the e-commerce space are people who know how to say no. And that's because you can start a company on your phone, call a supplier, have a social media team, have a full team within a second without ever meeting someone in person. Like the internet's allowed us that capability. But with that, people are starting agencies. They're not saying no to leads. They're trying to scale too fast. They're trying to do Walmart, Amazon content, all of these things. And when you're a people-based business, you can spread your people too thin very quick. So at our last offsite, I had the realization, if we're going to hop into any other ventures, whether it be Walmart, whether it be Facebook ads, then we need to have one of two things. We need to have time 
for Taylor and I to hop in, fully manage, build out the operations and start something, or we need to have money for us to hire somebody to fully hop in, build up the operations and start something. I don't want to half-ass do anything because then you get to be spreading way too thin. So that was a very like light bulb moment for us that if we hop into any industry, we need one of two things. And those are the two things that I think are kind of needed to start something. So yes, in all honesty, I, my roadmap is Walmart. My roadmap's DSP. I want to get into Instacart. I want to get into all of these things. But I don't want to do it now because I want to continue going really deep, providing premium level service. Then when we get more cash flow to invest in those industries, we'll definitely look at it. So all I'm hearing here is that Taylor is really uh, washing off on you here. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's reining you in. <laughs> I'm a good listener. No, no, that's, that's, <laughs> listen, that, that's very, very smart and very, very calculated. And, and I would say as well, like spot on. Being able to say no is where you do the most damage in terms of growth and understanding who you are and who you're not are the things that will, you know, uh, decide yeah. your fate, whether it's success or, or, or failure. So, yeah, I really respect the calculated and very concise approach that you either need cash or time to invest in it. And, yeah, um, I might take some of your advice here myself where I, I always feel like I'm spread too thin, but uh, no, in, in reality, you're right. Like we continue to find incredible people. And I just read um, Working Backwards, the book about a um, couple of very senior people inside of Amazon wrote all about the Amazon leadership principles and how they relate to the growth of the business and a whole lot of like anecdotal stories about like businesses that succeeded and failed inside of Amazon and super interesting. But one of the principles that is inside of Amazon that we've adopted among with many others is separable single threaded leadership. So having people who can own a specific function or a specific outcome or a specific deliverable. So like as we're building out, um, as we're building out the company and we're building technology and we've got Escala and Multiply Me, there is someone who is like directly accountable and responsible for each business unit and then even below it. So like right now for us, not enough's happening in the marketing space. And so we need to find a marketing manager and they will become our single threaded leader, making sure almost like having, you almost need like an integrator for every single uh, yeah. outcome or every single function and every 100%. single- delivery um but you're you're clearly making good decisions uh in how in how you're approaching it too so i can again really relate and respect um sort of that those those decisions so when where we're we're a little frozen but i'm still getting audio so i think we're gonna be okay (laughs) um Back, back to normal back to normal back to normal yeah it, it's uh, it looks like it might be my internet to be honest with you. So, will if this is good, let it keep rolling. But if it's struggling, then you know you can cut it. People listening at home, I hope you've enjoyed this little uh, intermission <laughs> where Destiny and I show you exactly what like real life is like. You know, it's not all sunshine <laughs> and rainbows, and things aren't perfect, and you can be. Mid- I'm just really happy that the dog's not barking. I mean, that's like a <laughs> big. That's like a big win in my books. 
Virtual teams. Virtual teams. You got to roll the punches. <laughs> Do you know what? You actually brought up, you actually reminded me of something interesting too about the whole notion of like just having virtual teams and being entirely virtual as a company. Um, I was saying like when I get excited by an idea, I want to turn around to the closest person and talk to them. But like when you're each working remotely and especially if you build the org chart, like you guys have, and there's accountabilities and responsibilities and clear, clear directives, the whole landscape shifts in terms of the level of efficiency and productivity. Like, are you guys doing your L10 meetings every week? We are not. So there were things that we typically, we kind of picked up and tried to blend instead of rocks. We kind of decided to stick with OKRs, like, the more Google model of it. Um, we do have like a Monday standup that's somewhat aligned, but this was something we went through is, you know, we read all these books on like processes and different management techniques. And I like personally don't like being managed, of course, because I want to be able to free flow and like, I can't block schedule and things like this. But like I had the realization that every single management book out there is built communication. So we've been taking some certain things and trying to be a little bit more flexible for them. So that way we can be more flexible. It's why we moved away from the Rocks OKR model is we wanted shorter time spans to be able to make decisions within the business. So that's where we're at now. We're trying to figure out what fits best for us, but somewhat blended model. Still great book because we're setting our whole foundation from all of these things, but yes. So couldn't agree with you more again. I, I don't know how many times I have to say shocking and it's just really cool to, to, to see how uh, aligned we are in the way we look at mm -hmm. it. So I, I agree. I don't think rocks give you enough. Um, they give you too much wiggle room effectively. Yeah. And so when you go through the L10 meeting every week, it's like, okay, well, this rock isn't on track. Okay. So what? So you put it to the IDS, but you need to break yeah. them down even further. And I think OKRs, which we integrate and implement into many businesses when we talk about a Scala, um, can be a lot more effective. And so it's finding that happy, it's, it's building your own methodology. Yeah. Like all of these books, everything's telling you like more or less the same thing in different ways. And it's about how do you adapt the right methodology to building an effectively run business with yes. with the knowledge that you have and what works for your team there's no one size fits all solution yeah something you mentioned i think this is going to be a huge move for all the companies that have very large offices is transitioning to almost a fully output output based model it's not necessarily who's in the office 24 hours you don't see that a lot you can look at slack and see who's green lights on but at the end of the day, when we're all managing these virtual teams, it's got to be very much an output-based model. You can't micromanage how many hours someone's online. And I don't care if you're online 20 hours, if you're only, you know, putting out five hours of work. That's something that, like, different personality types do really well. You know, Taylor's great at working really deep at something. I'm really great at working lightly. And it's, like, figuring out how to combine all those personalities for the right projects and truly look at output. And the book that we've really been running with is um, No Rules Rules from Netflix, it is one of our favorite books. And one of the sayings that I've been like bullish on lately is setting context, not control. So the whole premise of the book is hiring kick-ass people and then coming to those people and saying, here's the context of what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm not gonna tell you how to do it. Brilliant. 
having this virtual model, it is very much more so blended. So it's allowing my people to know the context of what they're trying to you know, accomplish and then letting them accomplish it. I don't need to micromanage that. And that's been really cool to kind of see how that plays out lately. But you have to have amazing people. <laughs> but but you, you, you bring up, so firstly, uh, that book is actually sitting inside of my Audible and it'll be the next one that I listen to when I'm walking the dog in the morning. Yeah, that good? Um, I, it's my favorite book by far. So, wow, yeah. that that makes me so excited. Um, I love it when I I feel like I'm always dishing out book recommendations, and I'll send you my list after we get off this call too. I feel like yes. there'll be some that may. I feel like you probably read a lot of them, but there might be one or two good uh, nuggets in there for you. But um, yeah, excited about that. It's also a little bit too when you talk about Amazon and about working backwards. I think you'll really like. Um, it's exactly that. It's about setting expectations like in, in who the A method of hiring, they talk about when you're, when you're actually going to interview someone, don't just build a job description, build the outcome. Like what does success look like in this role? Not what are the tasks and responsibilities and what are you going to deliver on the day to day? Like, you know, if I'm looking at, if I'm looking at hiring a marketing manager now, I'm not just going to say like has experience in media buying and has experience in website management. Like I'm going to define the outcomes. Like success in this role means making sure that our website is up to date with our current day, what we're delivering, you know, making sure that our content strategy is aligned with exactly what it is and the messaging that we're trying to get out to serve the potential clients and even beyond anyone in the space, how we're going to help them. You know, it's, it's, it's actually what's the outcome and what's the, yep. what's the desired output. And I take it even further. Um, and I'd say that one of the things we've noticed lately is like for the recruiters, for example, like they have a KPI in our team. We've got a team of 10 recruiters inside of multiply me. It's like they have to place, you know, two people a month, um, which I think isn't a, you know, a ridiculous ask, but that's too much, too far down the line of like the final output. So we actually are going to transition to measuring inputs. And what I mean by that is like, how many candidates did you speak to this week? And how many of them were put into our applicant yeah. tracking system? Like breaking down that to how many, like how many phone conversations did you have? Like, where was the value? Where were the candidates coming from? Like breaking down the metrics and the data to like the lowest common denominator. So you can say, right, if I spent more time having conversations with really high level people, then that's going to lead me into the next flow on effect. And rather than just saying, right, you have to, you know, like, it's like someone, exactly. Like, imagine I came to you and I said, right, I want, uh, you know, I want my ACOS at 10% and here's a million dollars and that's it. Like, you know. Okay. <laughs> Got to break it down. Like uh, you- have, you read, have you read the sales acceleration formula? I have. Uh, Mark Robage. That book really helped me break down the tiny pieces. Because like you mentioned, if you're talking about recruiters, it's like, if there's a drop off in that first conversation they have with someone in the second conversation, you need to know what's happening and how to optimize that first call. Maybe you need a better follow-up system. That way you can figure out exactly where your systems and processes are breaking down to get the final outcome. That was one of the best books I read for this whole conversation. I loved it, how they broke it down. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever said th- that 
phrase more times in the span of like 40 minutes in my life. But yeah, that was like a, a massively eye-opening book for me too. I also love, and I think it like rings true to hiring in general, but when he talks about hiring a sales team, like the five elements that he looks for, curiosity, yes. intelligence, um, uh, shit, what are, the other, what are the other three? Curiosity, intelligence, work ethic, um, coachability, and I'm uh-huh. not, I'm not going to remember the last one, but just everything in that book is absolute gold. And it just shows how intelligent Mark is yeah. in his ability to break down what is like a suit. You know, he took, he took, um, Mark Robage built HubSpot's sales team. He took HubSpot from zero to a hundred million in recurring revenue in seven years. I mean, just absolutely insane. insane. I mean, what even is that? Right. We, uh, we implemented that process with just our general hiring. So the whole premise of it, for those who haven't read the book, is that you basically actually find the personality traits that equate to success. And he didn't know that for sales in the beginning. So like he split test, let's hire someone that has amazing sales knowledge. And then let's basically track how well they do. And then six months from now, we're going to see if that sales knowledge actually created great output. And what he found was, you know, people who had previous sales knowledge maybe had misconceptions about how he wanted HubSpot store on sales. So they weren't a good fit. But what he did find is people that had a predisposition for strong work ethic did have good output. And then you could basically like take that regression analysis and know on a score what makes a good employee. So we sat down and did similar EQ vibes, um, Amazon advertising knowledge are some of the things that we put into place. And we don't have enough, like we're not scaling account executives quick enough to really have strong like regression of this correlates with success, but it's really allowed us to not intuitively like someone, but be able to have the data to back a hiring decision. And that was a really cool aspect of that book for us is being able to track what personality traits actually equate to success in a role. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal. I, I mean, I know we don't have a whole lot of time left here. <laughs> And, uh, you know, like we said before we hit record, we could probably talk for hours. I'm also just cognizant of like the internet bandwidth. It's like kind of holding up, but like, I wish you could see, and maybe who knows how it'll actually transition when I download this, but like, you look like this, like pretty sick, like, um, Instagram filter. Like that's what I'm kind of seeing when I'm looking at you right Right. now. Not not too detailed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. I don't know if it'll actually like the output will look like that, but I'm like, this is like, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm tripping over here. But anyway, um, um, before before I let you go, because I'd definitely love to to touch base with you again and potentially have you back on, and you know, even like I I can foresee a series where like I go back to people a year on or a year and a half on, and we talk about like what that growth has looked like over that period yes. and. I'm, you know, not to put pressure on you, but I'm expecting big things because I know that, you know, I've also had the, I've also had the good fortune of, of meeting Taylor as well and some of the team. And, you know, I have a very good understanding of just how capable you guys are. So, you know, I'd be shocked if, if that trajectory didn't go further, but for anyone who is looking to get in touch, um, I mean, this is, this is a time to tell them a little bit more about better AMS and obviously getting in touch with you. Yeah, for sure. I would say, you know, one of the best places is just check out some of the content Taylor and I put out on LinkedIn. You can even add us on Facebook. Taylor has his own YouTube channel, which is very much kind of a series around 
every process, every issue we've ran into in the company, we want to teach it and have a learning experience. So YouTube channel is a great place. And then if you're interested in anything Amazon advertising, check us out at AMS.com. And yeah, and I'm just going to totally double down on that plug there. The queen of Amazon and the content that seriously though, the content that I am witnessing and from someone who has, you know, lived in this space, you know, in terms of digital advertising for over a decade, really, really impressed with just the level of consideration and and how you think about it. And also the amount of effort you put into just giving away shit for free. You know, I think that it's one thing to post a little graph and have a bit of information around it. It's another thing to invest. You know, I'm pretty sure I watched you for 10 minutes today, breaking down exactly your logic and why, you know, you're really giving the gift of how to actually approach, you know, strategy and with no expectations other than trying to help people make better decisions for their business. So, you know, really resonates with me. And on that note, thank you so much for taking the time and sitting down and having this chat. I've, I've loved every minute. Of course. Thank you so much, Yanni. I'm sure we'll have multiple of these coming up, uh, primarily because you're amazing to speak with, but also I think we could talk for days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that's for sure. Well, again, thanks so much. And uh, yeah, just uh, great to have uh, some time chatting about the things that we both love. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. <laughs>